A reading from Luke, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus was about 30 years old when, his work, when he began his work. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, for new beginnings, for journeys that begin at the font and continue through periods of learning and questioning and claiming, I pray that this time of speaking and listening would help each of us in that process to draw closer to you and to know of your drawing near to us in Christ through the Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O rock, our, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So to get us where I'd like us to go this morning, I'm going to begin this sermon uh, by sharing a little bit more about the process by which I've written or prepared the sermon. And I do so aware that I may end up sounding like a television chef who shares more about himself than the food, or to mix my metaphors, uh, like a car enthusiast who opens up the hood to show you the engine without actually driving you anywhere. But nonetheless, I'm hopeful that in your listening, we will go somewhere together and that it will taste good. (laughs) Again, the metaphor. (laughs) So my initial focus this morning is, as it should be, the text, the story that we have heard uh, through Charlotte's reading, through the retelling with our children. Uh, And as we've heard, this is about the Lord's baptism. And today, in this Sunday in the church, is considered and has always been for some time the baptism of the Lord's Sunday, at least officially. Unofficially, at Westminster... It is Associate Pastor Sunday. (laughs) Because this is the Sunday where Reverend Larry Hayward, our head of staff, uh, is always away uh, at his Movable Feast continuing education program. Uh, And so Casey and I have the honor every year of preaching on this story. And I count that it's perhaps the fourth, fifth, maybe even the sixth time I've preached a variation of this story, Uh, and I can't remember a thing that I've said before. I can't remember a thing that Casey has said, but it's all been very, very good. Hopefully today will be as well. But despite the fact that we're returning to a story that we have heard many times, the good news is that we have three versions of this story in our scripture, and each of them is different in a way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke present us with different images, different ways of presenting the baptism. So we have something to notice each time that may be different from the last. This time, I was really struck by the wonder and the unity and the awe that Jesus experienced in his own baptism. The unity that he experienced and shared with all the other people in that moment is so remarkable. 
Luke makes a point of telling us that when all the people had been baptized, that is, as the choir sang at the beginning of the service, all of the brothers, all of the sisters, all of the mothers, all of the fathers, indeed all of the sinners, came to the river that day, including Jesus. His baptism was an act of solidarity, of union, of participating with the people closest to him. So we had what I would say a horizontal unity that day. But the unity was also vertical with heaven and the spirit. Luke is alone in the Gospels in making a point of telling us that Jesus was praying at this time. And when he prayed, Luke tells us the heavens opened up. So that must have been some kind of prayer. A prayer free of distractions, a prayer free of drowsiness, a prayer free of notifications from one's smartphone. In that moment, Christ was so at one with God that the boundary between heaven and earth was breached and divided the two no more. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, like a dove. The, the difference between matter and spirit now is gone. One are, they are one and the same. And he hears that voice, the voice of heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. As often as we hear those words in worship, like we have today, can we imagine really and truly hearing that the way Jesus must have? To know himself as so purely aligned with God's will and affirmation, to be that immersed in the life of God that you can hear that affirmation as clearly as you feel the Holy Spirit resting on your shoulder like a dove? I don't think it's possible for me standing here in this in front of this pulpit, using my own limited words to convey to you or capture how wonderful it must have been for Christ in that moment and perhaps also for all those people in the river with him. And so I wanted us to go there. I wanted us to go to the river. I've spent a lot of time this week in preparing the sermon thinking about the river, which has presented a problem because the way Luke tells the story, we actually don't hear anything about it. The role of the Jordan River is minimized as compared with other Gospels. You have to go several verses back to hear mention of it. And in fact, Luke tells us that it's, it's in the Jordan Valley. He doesn't even use the phrase the Jordan River as much. But I couldn't get the river, the Jordan, out of my mind. The river meanders through the texts silently as rivers do. And so I wanted to follow that river and to hear from people who know rivers well. And so I'm glad that I can be a youth pastor with youth like Charlotte and so many others who participate in crew. Every year at Westminster, we have a group of kids who wake up 
before the dawn on a Saturday to ride in a boat. And I've wondered what it is about being there in that boat on that river that draws them to it. They won't wake up for a youth cafe at 9.45, (laughs) but they'll be up at 6 a.m. for crew practice. What's that all about? So I texted some of our upperclassmen uh, female rowers and asked them that very question, and their responses didn't have God in the answer. But the words they used evoked the beauty and union and awe that we connect in the church with God. Our youth spoke or texted about the stunning sunrises and sunsets, the way the whitecaps dance on the fast currents and the way the sun plays with the calm currents, creating a setting in which they truly feel at peace. On the river, the youth are able to let go of their cares and concerns and they can experience a different kind of presence to the moment. The rivers provide them release from emotions that they can channel into positive results. For them, the river courses with positive memory. The river also unites them with others It's a place where they experience deep solidarity with the other people in the boat. For in rowing, each person has to be in perfect sync with the others, moving as one body. One of our youth shared that when she rows, she's not rowing for for herself, she's rowing for her teammates. That the pain and the burn she feels in her legs dwindles in comparison to the pain she might feel if she let down her teammates. All of that sounds a lot to me like unity, wonder, awe. The very elements that make up the story of Jesus' baptism. And so hearing Luke talk about the Jordan River experience and hearing our youth talk about their experience on the Potomac, I wanted to go. So I took myself as part of my sermon writing to do some field research. And I went to the Dyke Marsh Preserve just south of Old Town. Raise your hand if you've been to the Dyke Marsh Preserve. I highly recommend it. Uh, It's this little hidden gem uh, off the trail there on the parkway. It was a uh, foggy, misty morning that day. The Woodrow Wilson Bridge was barely visible in the distance. The thick air muted and muffled the harsh churn of the beltway life. Beneath my feet, the ground was moist and soft, everything brown and leafless, and yet beautiful and full of life. There were cardinals and herons, blue jays, doves, wrens. Later, I would see for the first time what I learned to be the the Bellevue pear, two bald eagles perched on a tree just up the parkway. And as I walked through the marshland, through the path onto the small promontory, I also experienced something of what our youth described on the boats. A sense of beauty and calm. A feeling that nature was conspiring to give me something beautiful and alive. 
the river became my pastor. As I let go and released the anxieties and worries that had been building up inside of me. And I felt a peace that surpassed all understanding. My spirit was borne up on those eagle wings, perhaps as literally as the Spirit of God descended down on the shoulders of Christ. And so for this sermon, we have these three moments. Christ, in his baptism, our youth, rowing, and my visit to the marsh. And I have to think that in some way they are connected. Connected with the currents that move through and with Christ in his baptism. I hope the theological police won't accuse me of saying that they are the same. That somehow my Friday morning walk is on the same level as the theological significance of Christ's baptism in Scripture. But Luke's account makes it clear that the wonder of Christ's baptism is not meant to be contained in that moment. That as boundaries between heaven and earth were opened, so too the waters of his baptism were meant to pervade all of reality. The last line in the scripture that Charlotte read was a kind of a throwaway line, seemingly, that Jesus was 30 years old when he began his work. And the way the Bibles that I have and that we use format the text, that statement falls under a different subheading. That you have this beautiful baptism moment and then, then you have the genealogy of Jesus with this line about his being 30 years old when he starts his work. And I think separating that line from the baptism robs it of a message that is ours for us to hear. That what Jesus experienced in his baptism runs like a river through his work and ministry, everything that follows from that moment. And therefore, by extension, that moment flows through us and our life together as a church, as the body of Christ called Westminster. I saw a post on Facebook recently that really bothered me. Maybe because it had an element of truth to it, but I also thought it didn't have the whole truth. It was a picture of a solitary person on a boat in a river, the purple light of dawn creating a serene setting. And at the top of the image was the following statement. Religion is a person sitting in church thinking about kayaking. And at the bottom of the picture it said, spirituality is a person sitting on a kayak thinking about God. So by that analysis, a religious sermon in a church would spend its time making sure we got our Christological truths all lined up and our doctrines correct and that we attended to the churchiness of Scripture. Whereas a spiritual approach would say and emphasize the Zen-like oneness experienced by youth on a boat or a pastor on a nature walk. My hope is that our life of faith can be about both. That churchy doesn't have to mean not spiritual. That spiritual doesn't have to mean not churchy. 
Casey has introduced our confirmands to you all. You guys, do you mind standing up for a second? I promise I won't make you speak. And with them is Helena as well. You see them now. They've begun their confirmation journey, which is an extension of their baptismal one. Now turn around, guys. But in this confirmation class this year, we're actually making the point of giving them the opportunity to look at us and to look at you and to look at our church and what we do to see for themselves whether this good news story of Christ is theirs as well to claim. I hope that there is no disconnect for them between what they see here in us and what their peers see and experience on the Potomac. That sense of awe, beauty, and unity can and should be as much here in our religion as it is out there in the spirit of nature. Confirmands, you can sit down now. Because where are we sitting? In this room, this structure, it's called the what? The nave. What does nave remind us of? The boat. We are in this boat together, literally, or figuratively. <laughs> both, all participating in the coursing of the currents of God. I have a um, sample here. This is Potomac River water. How much do you give me if I drink it? <laughs> How, a lottery ticket. Yeah, thank you. How sad it is that I don't feel safe to drink it, really. Uh, there's a, a song by a group called Zender uh, that I experienced in Ghost Ranch of New Mexico where they sing about the river. And they say, Varied and wide is the landscape of this life and naturally running through it is the river of my faith. Yet why do I pour it out into categories of people, place, and time? They become little glass jars on the shelf, full of the river's water, but river no longer. Heaven help us if we look at our baptismal font and see and experience only this, an artifact, a relic of a river that once flowed with great power. Heaven help us if we're driving to work into D.C. or Maryland, and we're so concerned as we cross those bridges about the traffic and weather on the 8s that we forget about the power and beauty of the river on which there are cruise shells filled with 4s and 8s who are experiencing the very unity and awe given to us in God. Heaven help us if being part of a church does means that we're not participating in the wonders of a quiet morning on a river, or if what we experience on a quiet morning on a river does not also pervade the work and ministry of our church and our work as people. So what are we to do? I simply offer this, that we follow our text, follow our youth, follow even me, and Visit the river, not just at the Dyke Marsh Preserve, but here in the sanctuary, here in our life together. Consider how 
the waters beneath those bridges carry memories of the Jordan and all those people with Christ in his baptism. Consider how our treatment of the river is a statement of how we treat our faith and walk with God. That we may too drink deeply of clean waters. The psalmist says in scripture, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. May we learn from that river of that gladness' source whose reality in his baptism pervades our own. Christ the Son, God's beloved, in whom God is well pleased. Amen.